Hey now, welcome to the dirty side of the track. It's America's leading Formula One podcast. I'm Brian Saperstein. That's Rob Vale. And with us this week is Rob Reed. Rob Vale, explain the episode we're about to have because it's going to be amazing. It is going to be amazing. We are deciding to go for a different um, format this week. You know, we've had interviews, we've had DRS interviews, we've had Vale's Tales, we've had our normal race reviews, and we just got some feedback that wouldn't it be good to kind of pull up a third stall at our virtual bar and have someone guest join us for the entire episode. So um, he had some good feedback from his appearance, so whether he's unlucky or lucky, I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but we will wel- welcome back to the Dirty Side, Rob Reed. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Hey, oh, so good to be here. Talking about my favorite topic. Uh, Being unlucky? Then yes, then you are at the right place, my friend. (laughs) So uh, today's running order is going to be news and social. um, Then something that we hope works out better than the quiz, the ill-fated quiz. Um, Not going to lie, it's another bit of an an idea that's kind of out there, but we'll see how we go with our feature, which is called Unpopular Opinions. And then finally... We, what feels like forever, we get to do a race preview because it will be race week next week as we head to uh, Singapore. So kind of that's the flow. So excited about a race being back. So oh. excited. And, we, you know, these come out on Sunday, so I got to get this right, Rob Vale. Tomorrow starts Rowie Keek? Correct. Monday is okay. the beginning of... Okay. But not Sunday, so I Sunday's cannot... Not... No. Okay. That's the end of a race week. But anyway, let's not go down that rabbit hole again. Um, talk... <laughs> Talking of race weeks, um, the, probably the big, or one of the biggest announcements of the week was the 2023 calendar uh, is out, and we're going to have 24 races jam-packed in. So um, let's be nice to our guest, and I'm going to ignore you, Brian, and say, Rob, anything that caught your eye on kind of the the, the schedule? <laughs> I mean, it, it's just I the debate about whether or not 24 is too many. I think is is just kind of awkward when it's coming from like journalists and fans and uh you know other people who would want to see you know more races so like who are who are they really arguing for right like do do they own a team do they have family members who are like on the pit crew you know like i I want for me it's like if you said they're going to be 52 races i'd be like that's one too many Give <laughs> a weekend off. off, right? Like we want, we're fans. You know, the sponsors want more races. We want more races, and I think the limit is is the fans' attention and the 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 willingness of sponsors to put dollars in. You know, that's that's the limit. And then the teams in F one can figure out. You know, do they need two pit crews? You know, and and the other thing I was thinking about is that maybe the top two drivers don't have to do all the races. Ooh, right. Hold that thought for later. Yeah. I've, uh, uh, I, yeah. That's an, interesting maybe, one. maybe the reserve drivers take a few races and they just, they just got to figure it out because we want more races and if we can't, you know, if they can't handle 24, 25, 26 races, like let's just figure it out. Like it is possible to figure this out, right? We don't need to be capped um, at, you know, some arbitrary number as long as there's demand for it. Right. Right. So, um, interesting. I didn't realize we'd started the unpopular opinions so early in the episode. Um, I mean, I, I get your point, right? It, you're taking sort of the view of the fan supply and demand curve and kind of matching it up. And it is at the unlimited amount because we want as many as we can get. I, it's the most interesting part to me that jumps out as an American sports fan and in particular NBA 
you mentioned using the reserve drivers. And Rob, we'll get into a different driver scenario later. But just in this scenario, using reserve drivers or you know, to, to run some of the races, I always think about the rest in the NBA and the players taking rest and people paying money for a ticket to watch LeBron, but LeBron's on the bench in a new outfit every night because he's resting up for the playoffs. And so how do you think a fan would feel showing up to watch a race and Max is sitting out and Lewis is sitting out and Charles is sitting out because it's their off week and you paid, you know, a grand to go to the race and you're getting, you know, Logan Sargent instead of somebody else. So like, and I'm not knocking Logan. My point being, you're just not getting the guys at the top of the championship. How would you view that? Because to me, that NBA rest thing is always a topic. Well, I would I would actually go back to when George Russell was the reserve driver for Mercedes after he had won the F2 championship and then kind of how he performed when he had to sit in for Lewis. Right. So like if in that 2018 season when he was the reserve driver and Lewis already had the championship locked up and he went to the Mexican Grand Prix and won the thing. Right. Like you would be like you'd be psyched that you were there to see George Russell's first formula one win right and it would be it would be awesome i think you'd have to publish in advance like to be fair to the fans right if you were like let's say you were like a number one lando norris fan and you've saved up all your pennies and you've picked this race and you book the hotel and you the flights and whatever and you get there and it's his rest week you would be so gutted so you'd almost need to have like the the driver's schedule now here's a little thought something that neither me or brian have even looked into yet but like Back in the 50s, there was obviously championship races and non-championship races. So do you go back to an era of that where you say, yeah, there's 52 races, but only 26 of them are championship and 26 are non-championship and the non-championships have the reserve drivers in. And then you get racing every week, but not necessarily all of it for the World Drivers Championship. That yep. is the smartest thing Rob Vale has ever right. said. It is <laughs> you a nailed it. You solved it. <laughs> idea. I don't know where it came from, but just amazing. Just amazing. One other thing before we move on from the calendar, I did see somebody, because, um, you know, the internet can be both uh, an evil, but also an hilarious place. And somebody had kind of put the whole F120, is it 2030 they want to be carbon neutral by? Uh, the F1 uh, carbon zero um, campaign. And they're like, hmm, let's just have a look at the uh, air miles someone needs to do just to do this uh, calendar if they even don't go home for any weekends in between. And it's like some insane amount of travel that everyone's going to do. There's been no thought here to the most um, efficient way of getting around the well, globe, let's put it that way. We talked about that when we reviewed the calendar. We assumed that that they would segment these races a little better than they have before. And yes, there are some in the Americas, but that's how they're doing it now. You know, we thought there would be better clusters and not the back and forth. And none of that happened. <laughs> I think they tried to keep certain races to certain periods of the year, maybe whether it's weather related or they want it at the beginning or the end and then everything else kind of roughly. I mean, towards the end, if you kind of look, you know, we do go USA, Mexico, Brazil, yeah. Vegas. So we kind of stay on the same area of the world. But so we do to that speak. today. But, I mean, effectively. Yeah. True, but the the, the early season back triple, and forth it was a triple sense. header with Abu, Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah, close because they the, pay to close. So. They go to Vegas and then they go to Abu Dhabi. That's the big jump that people are criticizing. But yeah, I think they're just between a rock and a hard place in terms of trying to figure out the calendar and and then they, but then they put it out without the the team and, and Formula <laughs> One like even even having a blessing on it. So that caused a little bit of bit of a stir. 
<laughs> All I care about is that the Canadian Grand Prix did not move. So Brian and I with our tickets, and also we went early on booking accommodation before uh, maybe all of the Airbnb folk caught on as to what was going on that weekend. So we were just praying that was the final calendar and it didn't get changed. So Let's hope the person we rented the Airbnb from hasn't figured this out and canceled our reservation yet. Oh, that's true. I don't think I'm going to hope they're not allowed to do that. If they no, do, they're very much allowed in... to do that. So if they're listening, <laughs> please don't do that. We'll we'll do the pod from your uh, yeah. from your property, and we'll big you up, and we'll uh, we'll give you free advertising. I'm sure that'll work. <laughs> Right, last thing on the calendar, Monaco got from going from being it might get dropped has now been uh, confirmed until 2025. So, you know, nothing but swinging around about it. I mean, I'm a big fan. I know it's a boring procession, but the, I think that's the best quality on the calendar. Sorry, I just do. I love how tight it is, how much they push it. People bend tires on corners. Saturday, Monaco quality is epic for me and then this last race i know people were bored with the rain slow start but pierre was going through that thing like he was on fire it made it fun and uh i i know people say the track's too narrow there's no overtaking i get all that but it's it's history and tradition i was excited it stuck around yeah i'm i am i i'm a i am a bit of a romantic when it comes to monaco so i'll happily see it on there um, I just I feel like tracks and and venues can come and go off the calendar. Like if I don't think anything is sacred on the calendar. Oof, right? like, we might be pulling that third bar stall away from you in a minute, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess and I guess back to like the reserve driver thing. Like my perspective is, uh, and and so I related to the perspective of being like a Lando fan because I'm a fan of the sport, and and I also kind of take more of a journalist view on it. Uh, I just like great racing, no matter who's driving. I don't really have any favorite drivers. There are certainly ones that I like more than the others and teams that I, you know, kind of appreciate more than others. But, uh, I just, I, I just love formula one as a sport. I love watching the racing. Don't actually, you know, care like so much about who's in the seat. Like, I just want to see a great race. That's, that- that's, that's my purview. That's my perspective on it. I got to be honest, the other night when we were at the bar and you showed me that Stoffel tattoo you had on your back, <laughs> I, I don't think this relates. I, you were such was, a big Van Dorn guy. Well, I, I got burned. I got ah, burned I on that one. So. I see. You've backed away from being so focused. That's smart. That's smart. There's only so right. much space for Stoffel tattoos. M- yeah, we moving built, on. We built moving Stoffel on. up so much. <laughs> Um, news this week that Alpine are going to run three drivers in a private test using a 2021 spec car at the Hungara ring this week. And the rumors going around is it's Nick De Vries, uh, Giovinazzi, and Alpine Academy driver Jack Duhan. Um, not sure, like, hmm. It, you know, everyone thinks now that um, we might as well hit the fact that Latifi was let go this week, right? So everyone's kind of saying, well, that's a done deal that De Vries is going into that seat. But I'm not quite so sure it is. I think Silly Season has still got a few little uh, surprises up its sleeve right now. Um, what do you guys think? Well, I'm kind of curious. I mentioned him already. Logan Sargent, there's been a lot of conversation around him. I'm curious what this whole super license situation is going to bear itself out for a variety of, of drivers. He'd be one. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, like, we knew the seat would be open. Um, I'm more curious about Pierre and what's going to officially, non-officially happen with him. I mean, do you guys, have you heard more rumors in the last couple of days about Pierre's movement or not? Well, there was something online about Pierre then being targeted to go to Alpine. Right. 
And I'm like, but the, why would they? They seem like pretty locked now. Where they've just announced um, uh, Yuki, right? At, yeah, at AlphaTauri. Yeah. At AlphaTauri, and then and so they seem pretty locked. No, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to second guess it. I mean, the the sergeant. I think I read that if he stays where he is at the moment, um, he'll get enough points for his super license but he's got a history of tanking towards the end of the season if he drops out of where he is at the moment he won't have enough points come the end of his season that he's in at the moment mm. so who knows he's definitely in a better position than Colton Herter that's got nowhere near enough points for a super license so <laughs> I did see a lot of people trying to figure out the super license situation and I just kept wanting to write back on every Twitter like check the blog Rob Vale figured this out already it's all been cracked <laughs> dirtysideofthetrack.com <laughs> Uh, well, before we move on to the next bit, what about you, Rob? What do you think uh, Silly Season's got up its sleeve? Well, I think the thing that doesn't get talked about so much is that, you know, Latifi's a paid driver, right? So when Latifi's, I mean, there's it's his family, it's sponsors, it's people that are paying for his seat, uh, just like Lance Stroll, effectively, is, is a paid driver. So that's going to leave a hole in Williams's budget. So that, that's, the, that's the factor that we don't talk about so much is the the driver that's going to come in has to probably come in with some serious sponsorship dollars to fill that hole in Williams's budget. So, um, and I thought it was also interesting. I saw that like I didn't realize that uh, Yumbo was like Max's sponsor because there was a there was like some like the CEO of Yumbo um, was I don't know some something happened with him legally, oh. and it came out that you know he was uh, Yumbo was a big Max Verstappen sponsor. So they all have. They all carry sponsors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, to to the team, their own individual. They bring budget to the team. But like Latifi brought an outsized amount of money. We don't know what it is. Oh, he bought a Scrooge McDuck amount of money to uh, <laughs> yeah. the team. I mean, yeah. So So if DeVries doesn't have that, you know, Williams can't sign him. Like That's they, true. they can't they can't run the team. So these these are just kind of the factors that we don't really necessarily see from the outside. Has anybody connected the two dots? And I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on over my ears, but Nikki Latifi's father has a large stake in McLaren, the manufacturer, and that when Lando's contract, which is very long, ends, Gotifi comes back to McLaren in four years. Anybody taking that? <laughs> I didn't I know that. Your, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Put your tinfoil hat away, Brian. Yeah. Um, by the way, it's now covered my entire body. It's a tinfoil <laughs> body condom with that one. Let's move right, on. Right. Last thing that we had in our little news and social section was um, big fighting words coming out of Mercedes. They are targeting Singapore for a strong showing, and they honestly believe that over the next six races they will secure uh, the win they need to make sure that they've actually had a win in this uh, calendar year. And more than that that they believe they can chase down Ferrari for second place in the constructors. And I was thinking, ah, oh, they've got to be miles behind. But again, you know, we've talked about this on previous episodes. The Mercedes boys have just been plugging away with never really getting too uh, high up. So they're 35 points behind Ferrari at the moment, Mercedes. Wow. I did not think it was that close. Um, there is a real possibility that Mercedes can chase those guys down. Um, I mean, I said... Was it our mid-season thing? I said that Lewis would join the 300. He would be the first 300 club person to to win a race. So yeah. Mercedes are getting stronger. It's getting closer, I think. And how far up can George go if he doesn't win a race this year? I mean, that'll just be epic to see if he can make it to the top, to the podium of the driver standings at the end of the year without a victory. Oh. So that's kind of all we had. But you know, we thought here, you know, um, 
We love a good pun at the dirty side. And we've got a journalist with us right now as well. So we thought we'd thread into the news and social. We would ask Rob as he sat on his bar stool um, in the good old kind of kid holding out the newspaper in our new part of mini section of news and social, read all about it. Ah, all right. <laughs> that, by the way, was Rob. He recorded that this morning. Yeah. <clears throat> <his bar. laughs> In my best cockney accent, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, anything caught your eye this uh, this week, Rob? Well, I did. I, I wrote my last story for Forbes was about Las Vegas uh, before the schedule came out, but like the the preliminary schedule had already come out, putting it on uh, November sixteen to eighteen, with a race time of ten p.m. local time, uh, which they, you know, of course, you know, it sets F one Twitter, you know off with these kind of weird things when especially when they say we're doing it for the european audience and so they get the times for like them to wake up and have their coffee and watch you know f1 vegas and i'm just like no that's that's how vegas should be vegas should be saturday <laughs> night at 10 p.m that's right, right? it's like the, the place doesn't sleep it's open 24 7 and it's going to be a night race anyway so it just makes sense locally and then You've got like, you know, so you're going to go 10 to midnight for the race and then you're going to party all night and then you've got all day Sunday to recover, right? Like, so it really just, I think, schedule rise really works out for, for Vegas. So took a look at that. Yeah, and, and um, yeah. I, I think... Vegas got an absolute battering this week on Twitter. I think because the schedule came out and they it kind of that time thing kind of caught everyone's attention again. All of a sudden, all the pictures of the uh, the track came back out again and everyone's bashing it and going, oh, it's going to be a terrible race. It's awful It's an upside-down like pig. A, yeah, it looks like an upside-down <laughs> yeah. pig. It does, though. It really does. <clears throat> and I'm like, well, uh, it's got, like, a number of straights and a number of hard-breaking zones. I went and watched um, WTF1. Had, uh, somebody had done a mod on a, on a racing game and, and Matty from WTF1 had, like, driven a, a lap of it. And he kind of said, you know, it, it's a bit simple, but maybe simple's what F1 needs again. It just needs some straights with some heavy braking zones, and let's forget all the things where we tried to get too overcomplicated. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of re I'm, I'm I'm a ridiculous optimist, but I think it looks like it could give some good racing. But you were there this week, Brian. So and you did a lap in an Uber yeah, you cab. Did a lap. So <laughs> well, almost a full lap. Some of it's not under construction. Yeah. Um, and my time was made up. I that was fake. But yeah, I got the Uber driver driving around. You know, most of the pig. And uh, you know, I'm in the back. I'm like, make a left. He's like, sir, I have to go right to your destination. I'm like, just make a left. <laughs> and so. Um, we did a lot of it. Yeah, you know what? I'm excited for it. I really am. It, Rob, you're right. It is not the most complicated track. And I I have a place in my heart for street tracks, but they have to be good. They have to generate good action. And I know Baku wasn't great this year, but I'm an Azerbaijan guy. That I love that particular track. I just think it's going to be fun to watch for the fans. And I know people are saying MGM's buying up tickets and making packages and it's going to cost an arm and a leg. However... There are like 4,000 hotel rooms that'll be overlooking the track. And forget the grandstands for a minute. You can sit in your hotel room and watch the cars go by. Unless, of course, you have the hotel room I had this week. And the only thing I saw at the window was an air conditioning unit. But <laughs> beside from that problem, um, I think yeah, and actually, be fun. Uh, the, the, the Cosmopolitan uh, is, I think, the only hotel on the Strip that's got open balconies that overlook oh, the wow. Strip. All, of them, all, the, all the other ones, are you're, you're just behind glass. Yeah. And that is like going to be looking out on the braking zone, 
of the 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 long straight on the strip. Yeah, right so as they come I, up to Tropicana, it'll be right there. Yep. So yeah, you're gonna have yeah the Cosmo, and I think you got Planet Hollywood on the other side too. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you got all, Arias so, right there, and you're back a bit from Bellagio, but just you'll have a bunch as you head up. Um, I think you'd even have like Flamingo. I can't remember where the where it comes. You got back the around. you got the Venetian. Yeah, yeah. you got the Minot, the Mirage. It's gonna uh, be great, and like yeah. I just I I'm excited for it, and you know what. I like giving it a try. So let's see if it sucks or not. And well, the, the other thing is if, if it does suck or if it's, you know, not up to par, I mean, the formula one in Vegas has carte blanche to do whatever they want. Right. So they can, they can add sections. They can't add elevation, right? Like that's, it's a flat track, right? <laughs> yeah, that's they're the not, not going to put a hill in the middle of the street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to add an no rouge right, <laughs> right. now. <laughs> oh, oh! I'm even just though, thinking now. You even think, though, can... like they, they have Paris, so why not? <laughs> yeah. over and New York, New York. I <laughs> yeah. mean, well, where I'm going now, are they going to try and one up uh, Miami and have a real marina that they just go and drop into the middle of the strip? <laughs> well, they could just put boats in the fountain in front of Bellagio because you'd have yes. a great view from that. There's no, there's no limit in Vegas, you know. Yeah. And there's so, no common sense, so it'll be fantastic. Yeah. And the the facility that they're going to build there is going to be insane. Like this, this is my kind of you know, pre unpopular opinion. So in five years, the center of gravity of formula one will shift to Las Vegas. What? Here, here first, <laughs> folks. Take it easy over there. We haven't even started the game yet. <laughs> Speaking of which, maybe it's time to start the game. So well, that, that was an amazing segue. Cause I was going to, I was going to segue off the, the Twitter sphere because how this kind of, um, I don't even know when this started, but this week I ended up following a Twitter account called F1 Anonymous, and it's brilliant. But it's brilliant for the fact that a lot of people that respond don't read the bio and don't know what it is. So just to set the scene, there is an account called F1 Anonymous, and on their bio, if you, I think they've got a Google form or you can DM them, you can send them in an, uh, an opinion, and then they tweet it out from the account. So if you've got an opinion that you don't want to get into trouble for putting on your personal uh, account, you send it into F1 Anonymous. I'm sure they um, triage them to get rid of anything that's too spicy, but they'll just put out, there's so much, you just read all the tweets that have come out of there, and there's some real humdingers of kind of uh, unpopular opinions. But people then just wade in and go, this account must be a troll account, you can't believe this, and people are getting so angry about this, it's brilliant. But, long story short, uh, we came up with the idea of a game called Unpopular Opinions, and Rob has also agreed to take part in this, not sure he knows what he's let himself in for, but... We have come up with six unpopular opinions in the world of F1, and a random draw was made to allocate two unpopular opinions to each of us, and we will take it in turns, um, basically making it feel like we believe that unpopular opinion, and we will try to convince the other two to come over to the dark side and join us in our view of this unpopular opinion. So we're going to do one each and have two rounds and just see where it goes. So, um, again... <laughs> Unlucky for you, Rob. You got pulled out first, and um, the running order is going to be: you're going to do yours, Brian's going to do one, I'm going to do mine, and then we'll go around it again. So, Brian, do you want to read out the first unpopular opinion that Rob is going to have to try to convince us about? Oh, so I got to be the guinea pig on this? Yeah, you do. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the game, Rob. <laughs> it is time for unpopular opinions F1 version. The first one we have for you, Rob, is older circuits in the middle of nowhere are not relevant anymore. All races should be in cities with famous landmarks. Convince us. Obviously. 
this is the direction that the sport of Formula One is going. The days of going, driving out to the middle of nowhere to have a Formula One race are, are just gone. You just have to accept where things are going. Things are going to Vegas. They're going you know, to Singapore. They're going to the Middle East, to those great places like Saudi Arabia <laughs> and Bahrain. You know, like in these big city centers where it's easy for fans and teams and everybody to get in and out of. There's all the facilities there. I mean, I was in Europe and uh, actually like riding earlier this season with Valtteri Bottas. And I was thinking maybe I'll try to get to Spa. But they it was no, it was going to be impossible for me to get there and figure out like where to stay. Like all the accommodations at the track were, of course, long booked. So I was going to have to stay in Liege or something like that. And I was just like, no, you know, not, not possible. Uh, you know, but if it was, you know, some other bigger, you know, kind of urban center, I would have been there. So that's, you just got to kind of understand that it's the, 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 the future of formula one. Rob Vale response. Um, you see, you started off strong with the Vegas. I can see it. I can see the, the strip, the lights, the glamour, the glitz, um, when you tried to put a dagger through the heart of Spa, you lost me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, I was all over here, like, talking Vegas, and I'm thinking... Vegas, baby! Vegas! And then I'm like, but the same Spa. And I started thinking of all the tracks that I really enjoy that are purpose-built tracks. And a lot of them purpose-built in places that are no longer in the center of things, like, like a Spa. And it's just, you know, I, I recognize it's hard to get to them... But if you took away, you know, some of the tracks that even if they're not that close to the city center, if you took away the, the Monzas or like Austria, the Red Bull ring, I recognize the racing isn't always great there, but it's beautiful and it's fun to look at. And Zandvoort's a beach town. And I, again, I know some of these are close, but uh, yeah. Sorry. Having said that, you see, maybe you could have got me, uh, Rob, because if you'd have mentioned London, when I was watching the Queen's funeral this week and they were doing the kind of the, the procession through... I was looking at that and there had been talk of like um, an F1 race in London and coming down the mall and in front of Buckingham Palace. And I thought that would be epic. So, you know, missed opportunity there. If you'd gone after London, you might have got me. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, Brian, you ready? Yeah, I'll give it a try. <clears throat> Your first one that you got uh, served up is Danny Ricardo is an average driver at best. One fluke win in a McLaren does not change this, and everyone overrates him just because he's a nice guy with a smile who drinks out of a shoe. Okay. So Danny Rick had a few good years at Red Bull. He is clearly on the decline since then. He, is, he has reached his expiration date a long time ago. Yes, he had a lucky win at McLaren. Lando was up his trumpet. Uh, if you remember, the two best drivers that race had crashed into each other. Um, he was fourth at best in the car that was purpose-built at that race. So Danny Rick, you know, at, at his time at Renault, he got on a podium. By the end, lucky. I think the other drivers let him by so he could give Cyril a tattoo. Um, yeah, he loves drinking from a shoe. Um, he loves talking about it. Here he is talking about Martin wanting to drink out of it. Martin was, like, frothing for it. And, I mean, like, all oh, this is fine and good and good and fine. Um, but tell me the last thing he's been. Tell me the last time he's been better than his teammate. And I bet you can't tell me that. So sorry, he's average at best. Okay, that really hurt me to say all that. 
Oh man, it just it just feels wrong going against Danny Rick. But am I am I falling victim to the smile? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Rob? I think you might have got I mean, me here. I, yeah. I'm, well, so like I, like I mentioned before we started, I actually last night watched the 2016 Singapore Grand Prix, and Daniel Ricardo got second. Verstappen got seventh. Ricardo qualified second. He was chasing Nico Rosberg the entire race. They went to a, they went to a three stop, and he chased him down by two and a half seconds a lap, um, in the in the closing laps. It was, it was amazing. So like I have this like fresh memory of like when I really, uh, you know, became a Danny Ricardo fan. Having said that, I mean his his results since leaving Red Bull. You know, uh, I'm uh, Brian <laughs> convinced me. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's, okay. this is, as much this as is I hard. like him, as much as I like him, I know this is really hard. You know, because I just see my. I know my first one as well. So. I don't know if we all agree with all these, but we're going for it. And here we go with another one. Uh, this one is about Chuck Leclerc. Rob Vale, are you ready, buddy boy? Yes, I don't want to do this, but go on. Leclerc is not a top driver, and Ferrari seat is wasted on him. He was decent driver in poor cars, but a top car has exposed his skill, skill ceiling, and the Ferrari strategy debacles is a welcome smokescreen for him to hide behind. Okay, <clears throat> if you look at the four seasons uh, that he's been at Ferrari, and one of the best cars on the on the grid, and he's only managed fourth, eighth, and seventh. And this year, he's going to manage probably third at best, maybe even fourth in the World Drivers' Championship in a car that really should be challenging for the title. Um, in his first season, he basically uh, just pipped Vettel in the in the same car, but more out of luck, really. Um, Seb suffered with more mechanical breakdowns than he did. Uh, and he couldn't even be the best of the rest behind the two Mercs because uh, the Red Bull of Max at the time, which wasn't even a rocket ship at that time, still beat him. Uh, the next year, he, he in his uh, next year he dropped down to eighth with both Renault drivers, Danny Rick, who's an average driver, and Ocon, and Sainz and a McLaren all beat him. This is Charles Leclerc, a, a supposedly amazing driver in a Ferrari, struggling to get above uh, lesser cars. 2021, he was seventh, and new boy Sainz, uh, who's just getting used to the Ferrari, is fifth. Uh, this year he's arguably got one of the best cars on the uh, on the grid, and he's probably going to get overtaken by George in the championship. He's just a bang average driver that's wasting the seat. George, Lando, Lewis, or Alonso would be taking the fight to Max in that car. Sorry, Charles. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, I don't even yeah. know where to start. That was really well done, but my answer is still. No! <laughs> <laughs> Charles on Charles. When you, when you when you win for Ferrari at Monza, you get the ultimate pass basically yeah. forever. He's, he needs to work on his consistency, but he's he's in the top. He's he's one of the top five drivers on the grid, no doubt. I, I, I loved your argument. I think you did. No, I think you did a really good job. Seriously, like I, you you had to see Rob. He was hiding behind the microphone at the end, like cowering. He felt so bad, and I'm over here going, "You took too long." But um, I would say, no, you didn't convince me. I'm actually Rob Reed. I would say he's one of the top three drivers on the grid today. I'd put him with Hamilton and and behind Verstappen. Um, both Hamilton and Leclerc behind Verstappen, personally, but but yeah, you just need consistency to win yeah. a championship. But the, the quality laps right he now. can bang out there, yeah. and he does make some mistakes during the race. But I don't <clears> think they're that large. I think he's he's getting better as he goes. So great try. Yep. <laughs> 
but but no dice. Okay, I'm, I was looking forward to this one, and I was just glad it didn't come to me when it was being drawn out of the hat. So uh, drawn out of the hat. You were signed to these, bro. Yes, you I, I didn't. It was a random supercomputer that did this, known mm. as my daughter. Um, but anyway, here we go, Rob, for your, your second one. Abu Dhabi ended correctly as oh. the rules allowed for the race director discretion to be made. Oh man, <laughs> Rob's not coming back after that one. <laughs> okay, so. Granted, the the way the rules are written, uh, Abu Dhabi should have finished under a safety car and Hamilton should have won his eighth. However, at that time, there was, in fact, discretion for the race director to be able to make these decisions to just let a few of the lap cars unlap themselves to get one last lap of racing in. And that's what that's what Michael Massey did. He he had that discretion, and then they, as a result of that, made it so they no longer have that discretion going into this season. And that's why in Monza it finished under a safety car. So and also Massey lost his job uh, as a as a as a part of that. But when you know when when you go back and you know you look at the rules and and you look at you know the the power. That a single race director had in the in the in that and last season at Abu Dhabi, uh, he could have made that. Uh, so it could have gone either way. It certainly could have gone either way. And that's the decision he made, and that's the way the season finished for Stappen as champion. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag move on. <laughs> um, I, I wonder. Fixed. Yeah. <laughs> but the I is a one. Um, so the really good job. And I like the way you leaned on the rules part. Totally accurate. He had that discretion. We still don't know if Toto's emails ever got through from the earlier races about it. Uh, Michael, I just send you an email. We'll see if those ever come through. But the question I have is, it, Rob Vail, like I listened to that. He's right. And it was a logical argument. But it's like the most polarizing thing. And I don't know if he could ever overcome that. So while you had a cogent and fantastic argument, uh, no, you didn't convince me. It was still such a sham. I don't well, know. look, I'm going to throw somebody under the bus on this one because I brought this up with Pit Lane Paul, and he gave me that argument. So actually, that's not <laughs> even... <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I see. You've been doing behind-the-scenes research no, on this I, one, we, have you? I brought it up to him when I first met him, of course. Oh, it's like one of the okay, first okay. things you want to ask somebody like that. Like what, you know, what was your take from inside, you know, the pit lane and being in Formula One? And he gave, so I only, I only knew to argue that because he gave it to me. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> Rob, did he sway you? He did not sway me. It was a good argument. I give him a lot of credit. Um, he did sway me purely because, because those were the rules. And yeah. regardless of whether anybody wants to say that it was well, it, it doesn't like sit horribly in your throat and, and, it, and it shouldn't have been how it was, it did allow for that. So was he put under pressure? Did he buckle? Maybe, but did he buckle within a, a, in a, an area that he's allowed to buckle? Oh, yeah, I, you know, I still I can't even say it. No, I, no, you didn't. <laughs> we both wanted to say yes, very much both so. Both wanted to say just, yes so much. Yeah. Okay, Brian, I love this one for you. Okay, <clears throat> your second one. The car is more important than the driver. So I hate this argument, but here we go. Um, all right. Nicholas Latifi, if you took him out of a Williams and put him in today's Red Bull, is he the world champion? No. But 
if you took Max Verstappen, who is the most dominant driver on the grid today, out of Red Bull and put him in a Williams, he doesn't even finish on a podium. Maybe a podium here or there, but he's definitely not the world champion. The car makes him the world champion. His skills have to be married with it, but without the car, the driver is just a guy taking a drive on a Sunday. <laughs> That's very short but sweet. Um, what else do I need to say? Drop mic. I don't think you went hard enough on it for me. You, you, you didn't even believe your own argument because you kind of pedaled back and said, oh, of course he has to use his skills. Well, that's, you know, what skills? If the car is more important, it should be like Kit from Knight Rider and anybody because we had to sit in it and win in it. <laughs> it's, I'm not saying it's that important. That's why <laughs> that's I didn't the argue, that That's what the argument with that was. No, what the, the, <laughs> the car is more important. Without the car, yeah. you can't be the champion is basically the way I phrased it. And that's true. Yeah, you're saying it's the car's 51%. Yeah. Or more. That's or more. correct. I, but not 100. I'm saying it's somewhere in the 52.3 to 84.1% range importance. I see. I'll never get swayed on this argument purely because living through watching Schumacher drag that Benetton around uh, tracks and win, uh, that was, a, for me, the defining driver's more important than the car. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. You got me. Oh, <laughs> This is the best date. episode we've ever done. <laughs> I, you know what? The best part is I don't even have to change the intro. Just say Brian and Rob, and we can get rid of Vale and use Reed. <laughs> fantastic. I don't even have to think about it. This is done, signed, sealed, delivered. All right, Rob Vale, you're going to take us home here with the last one. And and also, just before you introduce this last one, it, yeah. this took on new meaning. We we came up with these and dished them out before today's news. So this Correct. has now got even. This is even more topical. Nicholas Gotifi deserves a 2023 seat debate. Nicholas Atifi is referred to as the Gotifi for very good reason. He is one of the uh, highly skilled drivers on the grid. He finished second in F2 in 2019 and won Spa, beating both Lando and George in a worse car. He won Rookie, rookie of the Year that year. In 21, he was ahead of both uh, Haas as well as the Alpha of Giovinazzi. He was within touching distance of Kimi Raikkonen, who everyone says is a racing icon. Uh, this year, he's had his struggles, mainly, I would say, because of the huge mental burden, from, burden of angry Lewis fans blaming him for the crash in Abu Dhabi uh, and ruining the thing. Nobody would recover from that, yet he still managed to have uh, more points. He's outscored Albon by four points, uh, and everyone says he's amazing. Uh, Lance and Joe are like a couple of points ahead of him, and they're also viewed as massively more skilled than Latifi. Why? He has the potential, he needs a good car, put him in an Alpine, and he beats Ocon. Fact. <laughs> Sorry, that deserved the laugh track. That was really, that was um, it was passionate. Yeah, passionate yeah. and uh, rehearsed. Well, well researched. It wasn't yeah, rehearsed, rehearsed, but it was passionate. I thought, I thought passion might sway it. <laughs> that I, I think you honestly, of all of these, I think Rob with the Abu Dhabi one and you with the Latifi in a seat, you guys both got one that uh, is unwinnable. I'm sorry. Uh, I, mm. Yeah, Latifi's unwinnable. Yeah, uh, there's no way. I mean, like, good guy. Thank you so much. Enjoyed watching your race. Uh, good luck in the next chapter. Yeah. But, do you think but, we put but it F1 out there? Twitter do you... doesn't need to be so mean. No, yeah. they don't. That <laughs> they that don't. is the. You know, I do. Part of me when I was researching this just to see, like, you know, where did he come from? Does he have any credibility? And you know, he he has performed well in F2, and he's and he did all right in his first year, and and has the whole. Uh, crash last year, like weighed on him. Well, if if he really if it really does, uh, and he's that mentally weak that 
he reads Twitter and it impacts his racing, then then he probably doesn't deserve a seat anyway. So yeah, it was it was kind of fun looking into it, but didn't believe a word I was saying. No, and F one Twitter, Rob, to your point, is uh, is a little too toxic at times, and that's why we love doing the dirty side because while we can have arguments like this and debate drivers, we always leave with some respect and some fun. And no, uh, I think smile. I think you guys said before, you know, he's not top twenty, but I mean, he's top fifty in the world. Yeah, right. You know, I mean. I, I certainly couldn't do what he does. No, I couldn't uh, either. You can put me in that car. There's no way. I don't even get around the track, let alone yeah. get within two X his t- lap time. So yeah, but I just, I just really want to see F1 be a meritocracy of the 20 top drivers in the world. Yeah, you know, like that's that's just my my idea. Can we wait for that until after he gets his McLaren seat? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. What if, okay, what if, well, that, what that was that was. What if Lance Stroll went into the open market? You know, like. Yeah. Stroll now Stroll's is, uh, okay Stroll's and there was a big debate there was a big defense this week right yeah I think Stroll is better than people give um everyone wants to say oh he's, he's only in that car because daddy's uh, uh running the show but he's not doing bad when you look at the grand scheme of things is where he yeah. is in his points he's outperforming Vettel uh quite frequently in the same machinery um he's not actually as bad a driver as I think people would like to have him painted I'm not saying he's up there and if uh uh and if it was a meritocracy with all the people champing at the bit from F2 and Indy would he would he come out in the top 20 probably not but I think he's I think he's better than oh. people give him credit for yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's he's a solid driver, but again, just probably not. You know, maybe he might be twenty fifth or yeah, twenty yeah. eighth yeah. or something like that. He's right? definitely he's, he's right there. Yeah, but yeah. Well, that actually worked out pretty well. That was fun. Um, when we were researching, or I was researching, trying to find the unpopular opinions, um, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole for things that were not really unpopular. They were just stupid, but I kind of collected them and put them on in here anyway, just to see what you guys think of them. There's only four of them, and only quickly hit them. Um, ideas to make F1 more attractive, and in the current era of kind of like liberty and putting any kind of idea is a good idea. Some of these, I'm not sure, are that ridiculous, and they might end up happening. But anyway, the first one was... There should be a reality show that runs alongside Drive to Survive with the winner getting to replace Brundle on the gridwalk for the season. <laughs> I, I, I love this idea, but I would change it slightly. I think you should have a celebrity from the locale be in charge of the gridwalk that week for TV and talking to people. I think it'd be fun. Like if you were in Miami and you grabbed a you know, pit bull or someone to walk up and down the, the track and talk to some of the celebrities, I think it would be even more exciting. And... You know, when we go to Vegas, I don't know who's the biggest. Wayne Newton has to. I'm kidding, not Wayne Newton. No one under 50 knows who that is. But you'd have to have, you know, just a celebrity do the grid yeah, walk. Katie, Katie Perry's got a residency in Vegas. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So you never look Mr. Bean doing Silverstone. Brad get, Garrett. Miss, yeah. That's what you said that. The Brit came up with Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, just making faces up and down the. Why not? Just pull faces at the drivers and see if, yeah. see how many of the drivers he can get to reciprocate with a face. Yeah. No, but um, I, I, that would be my vote. Is not just a fan or a reality show, but I would I'd find celebrities and replace Brundle with a, a local or at least important celebrity each week. Personally, yeah, I think it would increase the the engagement from the drivers and the principals. Like having a new person to talk to every week on the grid like just having instead of having to do it with brundle every single race right like yeah the hardcore fans are going to get 
honked off that it's not a real interview, but let's be honest, half the time Brundle's running in between people, you know, dodging elbows (laughs) and camera crews. He's an institution of the sport. I love it. I love it. I love when he gets people he doesn't know. That is still the best. When he has a deer in the headlights yelling, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. No, that's not Patrick Mahomes, but okay. (laughs) Okay, number two. Um, This one is kind of, I don't know if it is under the banner of ridiculous, but, but given what we were talking about earlier on, if we had an extended calendar... Teams should have four drivers and everyone goes in qualification and quali dictates which two get to race on Sunday. Rob, would you like to respond to this one first? Your thoughts? I mean, I'm just hearing this for the first time. So uh, I'm, and I, I'm up for trying anything that makes the racing, the qualify, you know, the weekend more, more exciting. So uh, I don't know, like budget wise, that seems maybe, maybe tough for the teams. <clears throat> so I just had an idea as you, as you were reading this and it's even further out there since this is called ridiculous ideas my proposal is take the 20 drivers who have earned their seats and on quali day get them all in stock F1 cars exactly the same cars and how fast they go around the track the order they finish dictates which car they choose to drive oh. for that weekend <laughs> so if they're all in the same, this is not the race, but so they go around in a, in a in a stock F1 car, and number one gets to pick. And if it's you know Monza, he's like Red Bull. Um, <laughs> but you know if there are different tracks earlier in the year, maybe they're like Ferrari. And then at the end, you'll just see the person who finished last. In this case, will still be Latifi. He goes, I guess I'm in the Williams. I have visions of there being like an even worse car. Like if you've ever watched any Top Gear episode when they've always got the backup car in the background and it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, Latifi, you're in the Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, um, you're in the Dacia Sandero. The, this, the third one I found was actually harks back to something I've said um, a couple of times in jest, but this was actually on here with a kind of a new twist inspired by you Formula made, I E. I thought you put this on here yourself. No, 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 I didn't. I found this, but somebody, somebody took uh, In Formula E, apparently, you can do, there's a Twitter poll, and you can decide who might get uh, an extra boost, like a turbo boost, I think, during the uh, during the race, or when, it, or when it's going to be allowed, something like that. And anyway, there's one here. <laughs> Sprinkler systems activated by Twitter vote should be deployed to bring more fan interaction to races. I mean, we all love a wet race. I mean, if we were allowed to vote on, like, at which point in the race the Sprinkler and at which corner they were going to come in. I, there might be a safety issue here, but it would might be, be a safety issue <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's great. You got uh, you know you got Lewis leading the race on uh, old soft tires, and all of a sudden the sprinklers come on as he's coming around a corner because uh, all the Twitter hacker men got out there and uh, coordinated. <laughs> yeah, the, the Twitter bots are at, yeah. at it again. Um, I, yeah. You know, I love this idea. It's funny. It's like the Bond gadget on car kind of idea. Um, no, for me on this one personally. Now, the last no. one. No. Yeah, no. Oh, sorry, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know as well. The last one, I mean, there could be some merit in this one, but basically do away with qualifying or maybe find some other reason why qualifying needs to happen. But all races should always be based on the reverse grid from the previous race. Now, we all like a jumbled up grid. I mean, that's going to pretty much guarantee that... Well, not guarantee that. If Max has to win every race, then he has to come from last every uh, every race because uh, it'll be reverse grid every time. But, oh, I mean... I don't, I don't like the reverse grid. I don't like any kind of reverse grid, personally. I think it... Yes, it, it kind of makes it more exciting, but it really... It sets you up for just so much carnage. That's just not... Nec- that's not what we want. We want. We want good racing. We don't want to increase carnage on the track and that's i think what what you would do with any kind of reverse grid 
I've uh, spent my life in corporate America, and I was at a session one time where I got into a heated debate. This was a, like a conference about the idea of aligning incentives and having goals that people shoot towards. There's no goal nor incentive which says I do a great job and get hosed because of it, and I struggle with that as well. Like, there's no you would the amount of game playing that might occur isn't worth it. And I think the better you do, you should be rewarded for it. Now, if we go back to the, you know, random uh, stock car quality idea that I just had, I think that's something where at least, you know, the incentive is to kick some ass in a similar card as everyone else. And then you could choose that one works. But no, for me, I'm with Rob, the reverse grid, whether it's the carnage, I do like cars coming from the back, but I'm much more of a, it was a wet quality and it it messed up the race order. And then it's race pace matters. Yeah, or the or the penalty system that we have, which certainly needs some rethinking, but it's working uh, for us, yeah. right? Uh, all the penalties. Are I think things I think up. it's um, I want to say the touring car series in the UK uses weight that depending where you finish, you have to carry extra weight penalty in the in the next race to kind of try to even out the racing. So you know you win. Going back to your your uh, weight uh, stat from last week, Brian, then if you win the race, you have to carry extra weight in your car the next race, which is essentially going to slow you down a little. This is the second time we've talked about the weight stat, which you've made fun of twice. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I'm still right. going to make fun of it. It's the fact that you said it. I couldn't stop you saying it. I mean, I could have. I could have edited it out of the episode and no one would ever known, but... <laughs> That's true. Oh. Right, I think I think we need to move on now. Yeah, so, so this coming week yep. is Rawikik, Singapore. Uh, so Rob... Reveal. Tell us a little bit about what we got to look forward to. I am so friggin' excited that racing is back. This break was too long. Yeah, it does feel ridiculously long. So we're off to Singapore, Marina Bay Street Circuit. 3.16 miles held at night and goes on for 61 laps. Um, Hasn't been around forever. Only 2008. It's a relatively newbie. Um, And they've kind of redesigned it a few times. Uh, I was looking at this. We've had the original track run for four years from 2008 to 2012. Uh, they got rid of the Singapore Sling Chicane in 2013-14. I love that. Can we just pause for one second there? Go on. Uh, Can we give just a a big love, hug, thought to the Singapore Sling Chicane? For people who don't know, (laughs) it it was a chicane, and there was a monster sausage curb on the outside of it. And if you didn't get inside that sausage curb, you took very serious air. Like... I don't mean like you're up in the air going to flip over. I mean, you were launched into the air. And some of my favorite F1 videos of that time period were when cars would judge it wrong or they'd be battling and they'd have to go over the, the sausage curb. And they just took off like airplanes. Like, like it, they went like 10 feet, it felt like. I Sorry, mean, time out, Brian. Listener Az is going to be very, very upset if you don't give these curbs their correct name. Uh, sausage Curb Grande? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, what do you think? I mean, I know you're, you're a historian and fan and appreciate uh, you know appreciate all these old races. Did you love that massive sausage curb or no? <clears throat> I wasn't watching F1 back then. Oh, <laughs> please go back. It's 2013, 2014, and you can even just Google it and find some highlights. Um, 
Or maybe I'll no, put like it, I said, I watched thing. the I watched the 2016 race last night. So I'll go. You know, I I've, you, I've got the F1 TV subscription, so I go back and watch races all the time. Go go watch 2014 then, because 2015 is when they kiss goodbye to uh, this huge right. curb. So uh, it was basically like Night Rider when Kit used to launch over the trucks, right? <laughs> it was uh, just if you visualize that, but F1 cars, that's what that curb did. Well, it's like when Hamilton um, hit Fernando's rear tire in Spa, and he went up in the air like crazy, and then the car broke. That's basically what happened to other people without the other car needed. And, and sausage Kerber grandes aside, um, it made its debut in 2008 and Alonso won, but it was uh, shrouded in controversy um, as it became known as Crashgate. Uh, PK Jr. Uh, was essentially, uh, am I allowed to say allegedly or was this proven in the end? I'm going to say allegedly now in case you say it was proven, Brian, but um, allegedly was told to crash on purpose to bring out a safety car to benefit Alonso, which he did, and he went on to win the race. So uh, Singapore 2008 was Crashgate. You know, I love listeners' comments on this one. Send us a note on Twitter at F1DirtySide. So this was around that time period, sort of towards the end, where I didn't watch a ton. And so I don't have memory of this one. This is I had like the strong 90s and then kind of when I went to college and uh, and was working like a dog, I, I fell out of F1 a bit. And so this was kind of in that time period. And I don't remember this. I didn't watch this. And I mean, I know Oof. of it and I've seen highlights of it on, on YouTube on F1 channel. But I don't remember the uh, the outcome. So feel free to send well, us I notes know, and yeah, make fun I, of I, me I, for not knowing that. I know the outcome. Alonso won it. It's just whether yeah, yeah, or no, not no, uh, I mean, the PK, PK crashed to bring out thing. the safety car, which, talking of which, uh, this race has run 12 times and has had a safety car every single race. In fact, more than one a race, because right now we have a total of 21 safety cars over the 12 runnings of uh, Singapore. So it's odds on <laughs> that we are going to see uh, multiple safety cars again uh, this year. And it's given us some fun little um, moments down the year. We had uh, Max shouting no on his team radio when he was told <laughs> to move over for science in 2015. Uh, and that was also the year when a complete, okay. well idiot snuck through the fence and ran across the track in the middle of the race as well so uh we had that um and in 2017 we had a huge crash uh where max oh max became the filling in a max sandwich between the bread of both ferraris so not a ferrari sandwich it was a max sandwich That's correct uh, all three of them came together um uh, big carnage bits of car everywhere lewis came through with a big smile on his face and that gave him a huge advantage in the battle with seb that year so best part of the that last time is like a couple of, sorry i apologize no no no, no go for it go for like it. a few turns later seb is now going backwards because of the way the car had been unsettled he lost a wing and other things and he's literally rolling backwards down the side of the track you know same direction as everybody else but just in reverse and uh the onboard of that is just epic when you watch cars going by in the right direction but at you know 3x the speed and you're facing backwards. I'm like I can't imagine what that was like to be Seb at that point trying to navigate the car as close to the wall as possible without getting into traffic. And you said you watched the 2016 on replay, right, Rob? Yeah. So yeah, I didn't. Ca- I I took some highlights from the 2015 and 2017. So what did I forget? What 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 was the big moment in the 2016 one? Because it's fresh in your memory. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be. A, it's a big quality race, right? Like the the winners come from pole like more often than not. So that's big. There's, I mean, it's the most physically demanding uh, course for drivers of the season because of the heat, the humidity, and you know, it's it's there aren't any kind of like long straights to relax on in this track, right? You are just on it the entire lap. Uh, so there, there's that. 
uh, it was funny. It was interesting seeing uh, Verstappen and uh, Daniel Kvyat going at it. Uh, they they had some battles because uh, Max had taken his seat that year and he got he got downgraded uh, oh, in 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the you know there's the now we now we know there's the love triangle. Exactly. <laughs> right. The Kelly so PK. Yeah. He, he won the Kelly PK sweepstakes. <laughs> yeah. So you see that, and then and then this is a two possibly three stop race. So uh, the like a two stop. And and it was funny back then they were on the they were on the softs, the ultra softs. Yeah, the super softs. And the super softs. Yep. I'm a And guy. the and the mega softs. And the, <laughs> the it was really confusing or just just awkward to see it. Like they're really saying that with straight faces, like the commentators, like super softs and ultra softs. It just seems so much more at least like normalized to say soft, medium, hard. They they seem to have made some progress on that uh, that aspect of it. So. You know, you should. I mean, for any obviously, this is an audio pod, but you should have seen Brian's eyes light up at the at the discussion around tires. <laughs> well, and I started. I was trying to hold. I'm like super softs. Did, did, did somebody say super softs? Um, you know, I'm excited. Before we get into some stats on this, I, we've hit it in a couple ways, but I'd like to bring it together because I'm excited for this race for another reason: is the strategy. And so, Rob Reed, you just said two or three stops. It'll be fascinating. You mentioned. The, how taxing it is. And Rob Vale, you mentioned the safety car situation and all the times we've had safety cars. So I'm curious to see at a track that is so hard to drive at from a driver, you know, being a little more fatigued, tired, hot, humid, just crazy how much weight they're going to lose. But that's not important. What's important to me is if you're waiting on a pit stop, do you wait for a safety car? Do you sit out for an extra couple laps if it really could benefit you? If you're in second place, if you're Ferrari, if you're Charles Leclerc and you need a new set of tires and you want to go to the super softs and uh, you're on the radio <laughs> question, and so you're sitting there thinking about what you want to do, does the team maybe say stick out a lap or two, uh, go Tiffy's going to put it in the wall soon and we'll need a safety car, and then we'll get a freebie? Um, I'm kind of curious because I think – there are teams that may hang it out a little longer and see if they can kind of wait for that safety car to benefit them because the last three races, it's benefited the leader immensely. Yeah, I think you have to. I think every team has usually got um, a window for their pit stops, right? So if it's a two-stopper, they'll know that the earliest you probably want to come in is lap X and the, and the latest is lap Y, so they have the pit window. Unless you've absolutely trashed your tires and you can't stay out later right. into the window, I think in Singapore, you absolutely go to the to the limit of your window and even beyond if someone's done a good job looking after the tires you're coming up to the end of the window it i you go early and you go at the beginning of your window and two laps later there's a safety car you'll just be like oh man it's it just it's not worth it i think at least. Yeah. yeah well we're gonna go og on some stats here with the original sap stats theme sap stats singapore edition all right so um, Seb has five wins in Singapore, Lewis four, Fernando three, uh, and they're all obviously still driving today. Merck's got four wins at the track, Ferrari four, Red Bull three, McLaren one. But here's where it gets fun. Max can take the driver's championship, but he has to outscore Charles by 22 points. So basically, if Charles finishes, it's not going to happen. Um, finishes I, points. I, I'm assuming, well, no, because I'm assuming he won't finish like 10th, 9th, or 8th. Is basically, he'll be in the top or he won't. This is kind of, I mean, I could be wrong, but 
Um, and he'd have to outscore, uh, you know, Checo and, and George as well. So by 13 and six, those are more manageable. Uh, so I, I'm just excited to see that kind of happen. Red Bull cannot leave the GP with the constructors trophy though. Uh, the earliest they can clinch that is Japan and Rob fail. You found this stat, this last one, you want to hit this? Cause it's really good. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at it and I can't take credit for it, although I wish I could find, I should have uh, written down the Twitter person that put it out there, but it said, the one insane stat is that Max over the last six races can actually beat Ferrari's constructor total by himself. Right now, Max has got 335 points and Ferrari's total is 406. If he can outscore them by 12 points per race, he'll beat Ferrari's whole total. So he won't just beat Charles, he'll beat Ferrari. And that, if that happens and Bonotto keeps his job, the, the 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 world driver champion beat your both your drivers put together. I mean, and it, it doesn't. It's not that unrealistic. He's only got to outscore them by twelve points per race. So okay, maybe if uh, they both finish in the top in the points in one race, that's fine. But you know, one where they don't finish and Max wins it, a twenty-five point swing. That is, <laughs> it's going to get close. Wait, hold on a second. You took this stat from somebody on Twitter. Is that accurate? I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's a good move. <laughs> Because the internet is always right. Uh, I then back. I then looked at the totals and then worked out did the uh, math of how many points per race he's got. You should get put in. that so, in. The, you should put that in the headline then. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because you just magically uh, by osmosis all of your sap stats come into your brain organically, do they? Dude, I'm. I got like Charlie Day. I got a room with boards <laughs> and string. And uh, I've dedicated three rooms of my house. My children sleep in sleeping bags in the living room so I can use their bedrooms for stats. <laughs> anyway, this has been a great time. Um, I, you know, as we start closing it off here, I, I guess I'll turn it to Rob Reed. Uh, I hope you had fun, buddy. But, you know, what do you think? Any things we can do better on this one? And would you join us again in the future to do one of these another time? Yeah, this, I mean, th this was the highlight of my week. <laughs> so. Well, I say that because I'm, I'm recovering from a broken wrist, so I can't write. Oh. <laughs> that that, that kind of takes the shine off the news. I, I might edit that bit out so we never hear that bit. But um, yeah, I, do you know what? It, it might even be something that um, we look to do with like other folk as well. I kind of like this whole idea of the the third person at the bar with us. Um, I mean, not every week because me and Brian are just absolutely fantastic by ourselves. But um, <laughs> I think no. I, I like the format. I like the third, the third point of view as well. It gets, um, it gets a little bit boring having to always be right against Brian by myself. So having two people to be right against Brian is, uh, is, is even better. That's how we're going to do this, huh? All right. <laughs> Only because I've taken so much abuse today about my map, my my fictional track that I put together, which I've spent ages putting that together. And if you have, don't know what I'm talking about, read this week's blog about. Uh, I took ten iconic tracks, ten iconic corners, straight sections of tracks, stuck it all together to make this insane uber track of all of the best pieces of tracks in the world and then i'm just getting grief because everyone says it looks like a map of the uk well i had been completely positive and i thought it was brilliant i liked the corners you chose but now that you ripped on me i think you made it on a friggin etch-a-sketch so <laughs> now that we're moving on um i could I just, never use etch-a-sketches i could never draw anything i could literally draw like yeah, three you lines stairs and... you can draw stairs that's all you can draw on etch-a-sketch <laughs> do you want to see someone falling down a stair how about a box going up a stair that's what you do on an etch a sketch, and then you fill in the whole screen in a long car drive. Um, anyway, that's what it's called being old, kids. Um, I would just like to say thanks to Rob uh, Reed, not Vale, um, for for this. This was a lot of fun. I had a blast. 
great conversation. And uh, Rob Vale, in all seriousness, thanks for putting these topics together and drawing them out of the hat. That was great. We are excited because we will be back next week with a race review of Singapore, and we'll also have a preview of Japan the week after Suzuka. So we are back into it thick and fast, six races left. It's been a great season. I'm looking forward to the rest of the way. Rob Vale, take us out here, man. Yeah, just like to say thanks again to, uh, to Rob, and make sure you go and hunt out his uh, column on Forbes. Um, pretty sure that this week's column is just going to be about his amazing time he had on the on America's Leading Formula One podcast. But uh, yeah, go check it out, and we will catch you next week. Thanks, everybody.